Welcome to the Instinct Performance Podcast, where we talk all things performance. This podcast covers various topics such as sports psychology, strength training, speed training, and mental performance. This podcast also shares uncut interviews from Olympic, professional, and high-performance athletes and coaches. Don't just listen to the knowledge and wisdom from this show. Practically apply what you learn from each episode and watch your sports performance skyrocket. Listen up, take notes, take action. Let's get it poppin'. are live. Lachlan Fontaine, former Seattle Mariner, uh, currently with the Quebec Capitals, uh, former member of the Canadian Junior National Team, uh, and also with the North Shore Twins baseball program. Um, Super juiced to have you on the show, Lachlan. We're going to talk all things baseball today. Uh, I think you're going to impact a ton of youth athletes, but also professional athletes. So thanks for coming on the show. I'm super excited about this. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, no worries. And it's funny, I, I'm trying to mention Inside Performance without telling people the secret. So uh, Inside Performance yeah. is a baseball training facility that Lachlan mm-hmm. works out of. Uh, one of the best in BC and arguably probably Canada too. So yeah, yeah we're super lucky to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So... Maybe let's talk about your early days in baseball in Vancouver. I guess we can start there. Maybe before the junior national team, sort of how you built yourself up to be ready for that level and, and sort of your habits and keys to success for that. Cause I'm actually, I'm working with a bunch of young athletes and they always ask these questions. Uh, and for me, if we can get it directly from you, who's been through that, uh, they'd be super happy to hear that. Do you want me to start from like my kind of little league time or just with the twins? Yeah, we don't even have to go out far. Yeah, we could say like grade 10, maybe sort of when you started with the Twins and, and what that looked like. Yeah, so I started with the Twins in grade 8. Um, and back then it was called like a the Twins prep team. There was no Bantam. Or there was Bantam, but we didn't play in it. So it was more of like a prep team. And we would play the Bantam teams. But uh, I didn't really play that much, which kind of bothered me because I was always really good in um, Little League. And then I kind of got to the next level and I – it was a bunch of better players. Right. So once you get to that level and you realize that you're not the guy anymore, you kind of have to turn on the jets a little bit. And, um, it it definitely takes some like internal motivation to get to that next level. Um, but yeah, I kind of developed the drive for it from other sports. Like I played hockey as a a lot as a kid and then I had to quit because I had a few concussions. So I started taking baseball a bit more seriously and, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, it's just, it takes a lot of internal motivation for sure. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then, so you were with, were you with the junior national team grade 11 and 12 or just grade 12? Um, Great, just grade 12, but uh, like we had one trip in the fall. So it was 2012 and 2013. 2012, 2013. Yeah. yeah. How did that, how did that situation unfold for you? How did you sort of start to say, okay, wow, I'm ready for this. Maybe you got yourself a tryout and it worked out. How did, how did that sort of unfold for you? Um, it kind of started in grade 10. Like I made the senior twins in grade 10 and mm-hmm. it, that's pretty challenging to make that team in grade 10. And I played a lot, which was uh, huge for me. Cause obviously if you make a team like that as a grade 10, you're usually not playing that much, but I played a lot, which was huge. And then I had a really good uh, Canada cup which is like the yeah. national tournament where every province goes. And luckily enough, Greg Hamilton is there as he is every year. And I had a pretty good tournament. So yeah, I got the invite in to Florida in the fall of grade 12. And yeah, it was an amazing experience. It was my first kind of taste of professional baseball. Cause you're, you're there, you're on the field for six, seven hours a day and that's all you do. And then you go home to the hotel and, yeah, you're, it's pretty much a taste of pro ball when you go on those trips. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, maybe we'll dive into that a little bit more later. We'll talk about the pro ball, pro ball side of things. Um, mm-hmm. But for you as a grade 11, 12, I get, I get this one a lot for, from some of our athletes is, man, there's not enough time in the day to train and work and go to school and do all these things. Uh, 
which you did uh, and which I also did. I remember working two jobs in high school, uh, playing mm-hmm. a couple sports and still having time. Uh, so for me, I think this is a good almost reality check for some people just to understand what it truly takes uh, yeah. to accomplish those things. Because it's not just, oh, Lachlan was born good and worked hard and that that's how it was. There's Yeah, there's no chance it was like that. It's a lot of sacrifice. Um, so for instance, like you obviously, you're in high school, you obviously want to go hang out with your friends, but you have to kind of weigh your options, right? It's, it's all about your time management and what you're willing to sacrifice. So for me, I was willing to sacrifice hanging out with my friends a few times a week to go to the gym or to um, go to the cage early. Like I used to, I used to have, I had a spare in grade 12. So luckily enough, I could go to inside performance and get some swings in like during the school day, which is huge. Um, a couple teammates I had, we went to the same high school. So we'd go at 6.30 a.m., get in the gym before school started. It's just, you have to, you have to manage your time well. That's where like creating a schedule helps a lot and making sure that you get everything you need to get done during the day before you get into video games or hanging out with your friends. You need to just manage your time and realize that you're going to have to sacrifice some stuff to get to that next level. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm glad you mentioned time management because that's so much bigger than you'd think. Yeah. And it's not really something you realize until you're older. Like I, even this year I'm on top of it more. Like I have a calendar now and everything's in color coordinated stuff. And I know which days I have my workouts and throwing program and st- uh, flexibility, stretching and all that. So having, if you, the earlier you can get on to that time management aspect, the better you're going to be just, you got to manage your time well, for sure. Yeah. I'm, and I'm glad you said the, the color coordination and stuff like that. Cause my mm-hmm. calendar is the same. And I just started doing that. And it's crazy how much time. So if I don't do it, the amount of procrastination that happens in my life is just absolutely insane. And that's, that's hours over weeks and over Mm -hmm. a year, that's a lot of hours you lost uh, and a lot of time to develop. And it's funny because I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because sometimes I think, you know, maybe I'm crazy for mapping out every single hour of my 168 hour week, but these kids, some of these kids need that. Yeah. How many, how many successful, super successful people have you met that are unorganized? Zero. Zero, right? Everyone that you meet that's very successful has that certain organizational piece and that motivation to do it, right? So I played golf with uh, my friend Tyler O'Neill yesterday, or what day is it today? Friday? On Wednesday. And I mean, he was always really good with that schedule, right? Like, you got to get your lift in. You got to get your hitting in. You just have to have that, that schedule every single day. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And for those of you who do not know Tyler O'Neill, uh, big leaguer, uh, played, you guys played on the junior national team together, correct? Team BC, team Canada. And our first year with the Mariners, we were roommates. Yeah. <laughs> so very close, so, very close. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, so that's good because I was so hesitant to teach time management to some of these guys and just the ability to map out your whole week. And for me, mm-hmm. I'll even I'll even look at a whole month at a time and, and where I'm going Absolutely. and how I can sort of reverse engineer my day to match uh, what I'm trying to become. But yeah, I think that's I'm glad you touched on that because yeah. Yeah, you cannot overlook time because that's really all you got. <laughs> and also just having that goal that you're because you can do all this organizational stuff, but if you don't have a goal that you're trying to work towards, then you're kind of just going in circles, right? You have to set goals every couple of weeks, every month. So, yeah. yeah, maybe I didn't even have that in this, but do you want to talk about that a little bit? Your process of, of goal setting? Cause I'm the same. I have to set every three months. I'll sit down and say, okay, this next quarter of the year, what am mm-hmm. I trying to do? And I find, I find that helps me for, you know, those times when you're in the grind and sometimes some of the things are hard and it's like, okay, well, what am I trying to become and what am I trying? Yeah. I haven't really been good with that, to be honest, for the past few years, I think. I think this year is the first year where I'm setting some goals for myself. And like, for instance, my weight, I'm 225 around there right now and I want to get up to 240. So what am I going to do for myself to get up to 240 in the next six months? You know what I mean? Until the season starts. I want to throw 95 miles an hour this year. What am I going to do to get to 95 miles an hour in six months? Mm -hmm. And then it's just kind of breaking it down from there and 
okay, I need to be at 93 by January. You know what I mean? And just having those little things that you can keep matching. And if you don't make it, that's fine. You just got to put in a bit more work. But yeah, just having those little goals to motivate you a bit more, I think helps a lot. Yeah. And I, yeah, that's actually, that's perfect. You said, okay, my goal's 240 in six months, which is if you, if that's sort of your goal, uh, if we talk about reverse engineering that we say, okay, that's 15 pounds over six months. Uh, and we know like, there's formulas to see how, how many calories do I need to eat to gain a pound a week? I think it's like mm -hmm. 3,500. Yeah. Is? Somewhere around like 3,000, 3,500 per pound, right? Per pound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So on top of what you already burn in that day. So now Lachlan knows, okay, I need to eat this much. Okay. What foods have this? Mm -hmm. And really the, the answer to the goals right in front of him, and he just has to execute. So I, yeah, I think that's important that you have that mm -hmm. clarity of what I actually want. Sure. Sure. Um, okay, so let's let's go uh, sort of after high school. Drafted out of high school. Uh, that's incredible. An incredible mm -hmm. future that not a lot of people do. Uh, and you're also young, probably not fully mature, especially compared yeah. to where you're at now. Um, so I think we should talk about that, and I think it's important. Um, so maybe first of all, let's just talk about maybe what your schedule is like while you're in pro ball, sort of what the difference was, you know, transitioning from the twins slash Canadian junior national team to, uh, the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. So, I mean, being out of, out of high school, especially as a 17 year old is a pretty crazy transition. I mean, you don't really notice it at the time, but now that I'm looking back, I was, I was a child, I was still a kid. Um, like a month, a month before I got drafted, I was in math class with my friends, you know what I mean? And then the next month I'm in Arizona and living in a hotel. Yeah. So, yeah. So when I got there, my first year, our schedule was four days on one day off, which is great in professional baseball. Like that's pretty unheard of. Usually you're yeah. playing seven, six days a week. Mm -hmm. So we had games at 7 PM every night. We usually show up around two, uh, early work hitting. Then you get into your on-field VP, infield, outfield, all that sort of stuff. Go in, eat, get ready for the game, play. You're kind of out of there by 10, 30, 11. So you're there for, I mean, sometimes you show up at 12, 31. So you're there for nine, 10 hours a day. Um, and then the next couple of years, I was just in like spring training and extended spring training. So extended spring training is a pretty tough grind. Uh, our schedule was basically 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. every day. So you're in the cage at 6 a.m. That's when your early work starts. Mm -hmm. So you're getting up 5.15, 5.30 every morning, which once you get into the routine, it's not that bad, but yeah. sounds, it sounds terrible. Yeah. But um, yeah, once you get into the routine, it's not that bad. But yeah, 6, 6 a.m. in the cages, and then you're playing, you're practicing early work, playing up until 1, 2 p.m. every day, six days a week. Six days a week and then one. Yeah. 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 So it's a, pretty, it's a pretty crazy transition. Like you're definitely getting your degree in baseball, if that makes sense. Whereas you'd go to college to get your degree in whatever you're going to play pro ball to get your degree in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's funny. I just, you just mentioned, I just finished math class and now I'm going and hanging out with a bunch of, some of these guys are old men. Some of them get mm -hmm. drafted at 23, 24, which is, yep. if you look at six years of training and practice, it's, yeah, it's not even close, even from just like, a maturity and pure stand stand oh yeah yeah that's yeah so yeah and like i i see some 17 year olds today and i just cannot believe that i was that young in that situation you For know what sure. i mean like yeah i was a bigger kid and i was tall and i weighed 220 pounds but at the end of the day you're still a 17 year old kid not yeah. a man so it's yeah. a it's definitely a big transition but now i'm starting to realize that a bit more than when it was actually happening yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then I, I'm not sure if you're allowed to talk about this, but I'll ask you anyway. Mm -hmm. um, can we talk about the athlete development programs that the Mariners ran with you sort of compared to where you're at now? You can talk maybe weight training, uh, how much defensive work, hitting work, what were their focuses with a player? You know, let's say they just take Lachlan in out of high school. Obviously they aren't, you know, projecting you to be in the league in a year, they have this plan, hopefully, to have mm -hmm. you ready to be on their team in a couple of years. Do they, what sort of did that look like from their So, 
after the AZL season, the air, like rookie ball season, uh, I went to play with Team Canada and then I came back for instructional league. And that's when they started kind of breaking down what they wanted me to work on and focus on and stuff. Um, I definitely got a lot better defensively. Like, I think that's where I kind of shined in the minor leagues was defensively, but the hitting was always very tough for me because it was a tough transition, right? Going from 80 miles an hour to <laughs> yeah. Latin guys throwing 95 with sink and cut yeah. and a nasty curveball, And you're kind of up there like zoom, 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 strike three. And oh, what, what just happened? You know what I mean? So yeah. the hitting was definitely my weak point. Um, as far as the athlete development, like we had workout, we had workouts every day or every second day, and then they'd give us a workout plan in the off season. Um, defensively was great. Our, one of our coordinators was Chris Woodward, who's the manager for the Rangers now in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of, he was the one that sort of got through to me defensively and he helped me out a lot. And that's where I sort of um, took a bit more pride in my defense. Hitting wise, I don't really remember. I don't really remember having like a specific plan of stuff that we were trying to achieve. Um, I think I was just honestly overmatched and just too young, too immature. I needed like a better transition from say like high school to junior college to Div 1 to pro ball instead of just going from high school to pro ball because it's a humongous transition. And sure. You have to be pretty mature mentally and physically to be able to make that adjustment and I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and but as far as I remember like the hitting side of it I never one thing I wished we would have done more is just sit down in the video room and go over video and kind of ha- like hammer away at that mechanical stuff and work on your approach and the what kind of plan you have at the plate because I don't really remember doing too much of that uh, and again it was different for every player maybe it, it, it's partially on me because I should have asked for it but um, I think that's something that I wish I would have done a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. And I, what I actually, I wrote that in, uh, talk about approach a bunch. Cause mm-hmm. I think hearing that from you is going to help a ton of people, but maybe before we go into that, um, can you dive into the, what was the coach's name with the Rangers? You just said he, Chris Woodward. Yeah. Chris Woodward. Can you dive into some of the stuff he did with you? I know you were a third baseman, uh, primary correct yeah yeah so can you dive into some of that stuff i know it's, it's a lot of audio on here so they they can't visually see you but so the the biggest transition i think defensively especially playing third base from high school to professional baseball is you're playing against 16 17 18 year old weak kids from canada and then you go to pro ball and it's a bunch of massive guys that are straight out of college or rehabbing from the big leagues or Dominican guys that are just monsters and they're crushing the ball at you. Mm -hmm. Um, And it turns into more of a reactionary position as opposed to like a just routine ground balls every day. You know what I mean? Like in in high school, they roll over and they're just routine ground balls there. They're crushing missiles at you and you're expected to make those plays just reactionary. You know what I mean? So one drill we did was he took me out onto the backfield and, one of the instructional league games and we were just on two knees and he started pretty far away with me with a fungo and he would just hammer balls, hammer balls. And I had to put the, my right hand behind my back and just be like, trust my hands, work through the ball. And yeah, you get some weird hops and they look like they're coming at your face, but you have to stick in there because in the game you can't get out of the way of the ball. You know what I mean? You have to wear it off the chest and pick it up and make the play. So just getting that like being more comfortable with one hand and kind of, being comfortable getting in front of the ball because yeah, it hurts, but it hurts for what 30 seconds and then you're fine after. So just mm-hmm. having that, um, just knowing that mentally, it gives you a bit more confidence in the game. And then you just work your way in and soon enough, he's 30 feet away hammering balls and I'm just boom, 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 picking them. You know what I mean? So that yeah. really helped me defensively. And then, cause I was good at everything else. It was just kind of those rockets that are hit, hit at you. That's just, uh, it's just a reaction. So yeah. yeah, that was a really good drill that helped me. Yeah, that's yeah, no, that's awesome. I and I think it's important to realize not all practice is created equally. If I just sign it, go sort of uh, go to the field and take two hours of lazy ground balls, versus I got a coach sitting there for half hour, but it's high intense and he's whacking baseballs at me, 
over yeah. time i just got better in half an hour than you did in two hours and over the course of years guess what 100 percent. you can i mean like with the twins i was working with them in the fall and um i understand that they're young kids and it's new to them they're on a bigger field but again i'm not going to sit there and just baby ground balls to them because mm. what's that going to do for them not much right they need to be challenged and start seeing the ball coming in faster because that's the only way they're going to get up to that game speed. You need to practice at game speed because when you get to the game, everything's faster, right? So, um, yeah, I think just challenging the kids and hitting it hard at them and the more they see it, the easier it's going to become. We talked about it at BLE. Marty was talking about it, how it seems, it seems really hard at first, but then after – two, three weeks of it, you're like, okay, this is kind of easy. Now we can step it up another level. So it's just kind of advancing a bit more quickly, I think. For sure. Yeah. And I think probably hitting is the same. You, you go from exactly. that 80 mile an hour pie ball to now you got Dominican guys sort 95 to hundred miles an hour. And some of them don't even know where it's going, but you know, yep. eventually your brain's going to adapt and adjust and that'll, that'll become a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. And so after so you're you want- done Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, you you wanted to get into the approach side of hitting? Yeah, let me, can I, let me ask you about the Can-Am League quickly first. Yeah. There's a, there's actually a couple college guys uh, in town uh, Mm -hmm. who are interested in sort of professional baseball after college. Um, And they also, they want to hear the approach stuff. And they, a couple of them were looking at going down to the coast to train with some people to try and get some extra baseball swings. Said, hey, Lachlan, I know Lachlan you guys should go see them. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we'll turn this into a, a marketing campaign for Lachlan's yep. hitting on Empire <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, can you compare sort of the Can-Am league to uh, the MI, the MILB and sort of what adjustments you had to make and how you were able to be successful in that league? I think what year are you going into in that league? I'm going into my fifth, but now yeah. we're in the frontier league. So it's a bit yeah. younger. So the Can-Am league was kind of, it was a really cool experience for me just because you're playing with a lot of older guys that have a ton of experience. Right. So my first year there, or I mean, every year I went there, you're playing with X double A guys, X triple A guys, a couple X big leaguers. And then the odd, the few college guys, few like low A high A guys. So mm-hmm. you just have a, you have a ton of veterans on the team that they're kind of near the end of their career. So they're willing to teach you and help yeah. you out a lot more. So I learned I almost learned more there from my teammates than the the whole rest of my baseball career, just because you have that, the, the main difference, I actually wrote this down. The main difference was just the team aspect of it. You know what I mean? In the minor leagues, you're playing for yourself and yeah. it's a business. So you're not really there for the team. Yeah. I'm sure I never got to play in like low A, high A, double A, triple A. I'm sure it's a bit different there, but in my experience, it was more, we got to get out of rookie ball. So I'm not going to help you out and you're not going to help me out. You're kind of on your own. Yeah. So that was the main difference is just guys are willing to, they want to help you and they want you to get better because it helps them and it helps the team. So that was something that I missed about baseball was just having that team kind of camaraderie and um, everyone's there for each other and not just themselves. And yeah. Um, Sorry. What was the other part of the question? Yeah, no, just sort of, and then what were some of the, like, physical differences, too? Like, we could even talk velocity, player quality, and all that. Like, you're saying ex-big leaguers, ex-double-A players, so you're still getting a high, high quality of baseball. Oh, yeah. I think some people don't understand how good the baseball actually is. Because uh, yes. it's still not easy to get into. <laughs> yeah, so, like, when I got released... I mean, when you're in the minor leagues, the word independent ball kind of has, like, a negative connotation, just because when you're in the minors, you're, you're almost at the MLB, like you're almost at your goal, your end goal. Mm -hmm. And then when you're, you get released and you go to indie ball, it just seems like the end of the world and that's it. And it's trash baseball. And no, Mm -hmm. it's not. Every guy that gets released has got to go play somewhere. And 90% of the guys I played with were ex minor league players and they were unbelievable players. Like one year, our whole lineup was double A, triple A. Yeah. Which was unbelievable to watch. Like these guys are, some of the best players I've ever seen and including major league players. Cause I played with guys in spring training that were in the big leagues. And some of these guys were just, they're unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like 
velocity and all that. I'd say the velocity in independent, in independent ball is a bit lower, but a lot of the guys I played with had more movement and better off speed. And so it wasn't just zipping by you. It was, okay, now I got to try to hit four different pitches. Mm-hmm. The guy's got a sinker, slider, change up, four seam, curveball. You know what I mean? So, um, and they can command it. Whereas in the AZL, it was more, we got this 19 year old Dominican guy that can throw 98, but he doesn't really know where it's going. So yeah, good luck. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. And I think, I think independent ball, especially with COVID and everything going on, a bunch of MILB teams just sort of re rethinking their minor league structure. I think that, I think you could see a big blow up happen in independent ball. Uh, and it almost sounds like, okay, yeah, it was tough for you to let be let go. But it almost sounds like it was a better experience in the Can-Am League because now you had access to all this knowledge. Uh, and these guys wanted to see Lachlan succeed, which in the long term, in the long term goal of you making the major leagues, uh, that seems like the right stepping stone for me. Yeah, 100%. So. Yeah, 100%. Um, I've definitely enjoyed – I've like completely enjoyed my time playing in Quebec and um, I would – try I would can try to convince anyone to go play independent ball because it's at the end of the day you're still playing professional baseball and you're getting paid to play which is something that not a lot of people get to do but uh yeah it's definitely a cool experience to have more of that team aspect of it um and no one's worried about oh am I going to get sent to double a next year or am I going <laughs> to am I yeah. going to get released or yeah. yeah you still get released and there's you still you're still fighting for a job every day but uh, yeah, it's just a bit different. Um, yeah, it's just a bit different. But sure. uh, for the guys that are looking to go play independent ball or want to continue their career professionally, you just got to kind of market yourself, right? For me, it was never an issue because I already had that professional experience. But if you're yeah. someone who's out of college, you're automatically put in a lower class, even though you're not, maybe not, um, you're probably the same quality player but you're just put in that category because you didn't have that pro ball experience, mm-hmm. but you just got to market yourself. Uh, sending coaches stuff, going to some open tryouts. I went to this thing, uh, this league in California called the California winter league in um, January to February this year. And it was just a month long, but I think half the guys there that came got uh, independent um, contracts. Yeah. There was like 115 guys. So 60 guys got contracts. Yeah. Which is, pretty incredible yeah yeah that yeah no that's awesome so okay so let's let's shift gears we got the independent ball and how to sort of get get involved in that and it sounds like an incredible experience obviously they don't have it on uh, this side of the country which is yeah bad, but it, it definitely depends where you play too like i play in one of the coolest cities in north america it's pretty much europe but it's in canada and we have a great fan base and incredible stadium so yeah it's yeah. It definitely depends where you play, but if you're playing professional baseball, you're playing professional baseball. For sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, let's uh, let's shift into your bread and butter and the good stuff. We'll talk about approach. Uh, I know you're transitioning to a pitcher right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so l- maybe let's talk about your hitting approach first, uh, and then we can go to p- the, the pitching side of things. And maybe you can discuss uh, – I think some guys think they have to have the same approach when really, you know, maybe one guy's a power – a power four stick guy and one guy's more of a dynamic two stick guy. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe you can touch on different approaches and just building that awareness in your own swing and knowing what you want. Yeah. So, I mean, you rarely have nine guys on the field at the same time that are the same type of hitter. I mean, I guess major league teams nowadays, most guys can hit home runs, but major leagues is completely different than other levels. Um, you just need to kind of understand what type of player you are. If you're small and skinny at a young age, you're not, you're probably not going to be a power guy. So you kind of need to play within your ability and start hitting more line drives and get on base more, walk more, um, maybe drop down a a drag bunt or something, just kind of playing within yourself and not trying to be, and not trying to be someone you're not. Um, For me, I was always a big kid. So my, I was expected to produce power numbers where I didn't really 
I didn't really do that. Um, I was kind of more in high school. I kind of wanted to be more gap to gap, which is what I think is still a good idea for young hitters to learn how to be a gap to gap hitter. And then once you get older, bigger, stronger, then you can start tapping into that power and trying to hit some home runs. But um, I think just having that gap to gap approach, stick up the middle, you're going to, you're going to learn how to hit faster. My, like I didn't, as far as approach, I don't really remember ever having an approach to be honest until I got to play with Quebec because that's when I first started talking about it. Mm -hmm. I just remember in high school, it was kind of just let's see the ball and hit the ball because it was coming in so slow. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to pro ball, it's coming in so fast that you can't even see it. And then the spin, the spin they put on the ball is unbelievable. So it's, yeah, I mean, I just, definitely did not have an approach but again for guys that are trying to figure out their approach it's going to change pitch to pitch at bat to at bat game to game you can't go up there every day looking for a middle in fastball and trying to do damage with it right you're going to have to fight off some pitches on the outside part of the plate or show the pitcher that you can drive the ball the other way to get that middle in pitch you can't just expect that you're going to get that every game because pitchers aren't going to make mistakes as much as they do at the higher levels so you might get one pitch to hit a game mm-hmm. and you have to be ready for it. But uh, yeah, as far as approach, um, it's tough without having like a, like a game to base it off. But for me, I was always, or as far as I can remember, I was trying to go the other way. I kind of, as a kid, I used to pull the ball a lot and then I got into seeing, seeing it deep, hitting it the other way. Yeah. And I think that helped me a lot just to let that ball travel a bit more and kind of recognize some more off-speed pitches as opposed to just being out in front of everything and rolling it over, just seeing that ball a bit deeper and using the middle of the field a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think, and you mentioned uh, game plan and also changing pitch to pitch. I think for younger athletes sort of trying to transition from, you know, high school baseball to even college and possibly professional ranks. uh, I think it's important to go up there with a game plan. Is there a runner on first? Am I trying to move a guy over? If I'm trying to move a guy over, then am I looking for a middle end pitch? Uh, Probably not. I'm looking for something I can drive to the opposite field and move the guy over. Um, But for me, like it's easy for us to say that stuff because we've been through it and we've made all the mistakes, but, but it's Mm -hmm. trying to, for me, it's been tough trying to help these kids want to learn that on their own and learn these in-game situations. And if I know I drive a middle in fastball, uh, 400 feet and it's a OO counter, I don't really have strikes on me. Then why am I not looking for that? I see them swinging at like a OO curveball in the dirt and I'm just confused sometimes. That's actually, I actually wrote that down here as one of my notes. Um, You can look at every video on earth. The further away the ball is from the middle of the plate, the more your swing breaks down mechanically. So eliminating those swings and misses at balls in the dirt or balls that are up in the zone. Again, you, you have to, you have to narrow your zone a little bit and and try to have a better plate discipline. That's something I didn't do very well is I didn't have any plate discipline. I wanted to do damage. I wanted to get up there and swing every time. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately that equates to a lot of strikeouts and not many walks, which it should be the opposite. You should try to be see, you should try to see pitches and look for that pitch you can drive and not just be too antsy and try to try to hit something. Oh, Oh, get deep in the count, see some pitches, then you'll, then you'll start finding those, more, those mistakes a, a lot more as opposed to just swinging early and rolling a ball over the second baseman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah so, you're almost getting yourself out instead of actually it, it, showing what you can do. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's something that I've, I didn't hit much the last two years, but just because of my back and because I'm a pitcher now, but um, I still kind of, I'm sort of a utility player with Quebec. Mm-hmm. So if I do get some at-bats this year or next year, I'm definitely just going to see more pitches and look for something that I can handle as opposed to just trying to do damage and getting myself out. Like you said, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I won't, I won't take up too much of your time, but I definitely no, you got, can, I got tons of time. I got all the yeah. time in the world. <laughs> yeah. We're lucky. We're very lucky to have you. So yeah, just, just, just so you know, thanks for coming on here. No problem. It. Um, let's actually, let's go this route. Let's talk about, yeah. 
can I, can I mention one more thing you were talking sure. about trying to teach uh, those kids um, how to do, how to like learn counts and all that. It takes a very special kid to want to learn that stuff on their own. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, you'll, you're going to have those one in a million kids that will learn it on their own. Um, as far as getting kids that aren't really, cause you'll have kids that aren't really that interested in baseball, but if they want it, like you just gotta, you gotta kind of get it out of them. Like, do you want to do this? Do you want to put all your time into it? Cause if they do, then they will be more, they kind of have to make that decision. You know what I mean? Cause I've we, like, I coached the West Van Academy as well, as well. And there's a couple of really good players in there. And from a young age, you kind of have to, put it in their mind that if you want to become a better baseball player, you have to buy into this and try to be a student of the game and learn as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sorry. I just thought of that point. Yeah, it's, it's true. You got, you got one chance and there's so yeah. much going on with high school. It's such an intense period of life trying mm-hmm. to figure things out. But yeah, a hundred percent. The biggest thing is you need to decide this is what you want. Cause if you're half in half out, yeah, you're not, it won't work. Yeah won't work um yeah no that's awesome so let's talk about because yeah we got we might have the two worst backs in the league um, <laughs> maybe one of the most frustrating things i've ever been through in my life mm-hmm. uh, ups downs mental health physical health it's just yeah it's an absolute grind and you can only complain about something so much before you're just you go crazy um so for me when I was playing with it, it was, it was about how can I get better while still dealing with this issue? So if, or when this issue goes away that I'm, I'm still prepared for what I want to do. Um, so from your standpoint, I think you said herniation, right? L5 S1. Mm-hmm. Did you actually L4, get L5. surgery? Yeah, I did. You, you got the surgery too. So for you, like, that's a big thing, especially being an athlete, you know, what were some of the mental and physical barriers going through that time and not knowing like, Hey, baseball, for me, baseball saved my life. I don't know where I would be without baseball. Uh, so facing that was, it was intense. So, um, so I heard it. I, I've always had back issues. I think it's just something, I think it has something to do with my posture just because I have kind of like an anterior tilt or whatever it's called, but I've always had back issues. So when I, the year before I got released from the Mariners, I kind of heard it squatting. Mm-hmm. And then when I got released, I came home and I was just lifting cause I knew I was going to Quebec. So I was deadlifting and I went for one more rep and my back just rounded out and I felt kind of something weird. So I dropped the bar and I walked home and oh, I was tight and yeah. it was okay. Like it, it was kind of on and off. But then halfway through the season, every ground ball I took, I like whenever you flinch, it would just spasm up. Yeah. And then by the end of the season, I was getting like shooting pain kind of in my in my glute and down my leg, and I didn't really know what it was. So I asked my trainer, and um, he said it was sciatic pain. And I went to go see a physio as soon as I got home, and they said go see a back specialist, and it just kept getting worse, getting worse, and to the point where I was. I could barely walk. And whenever I wasn't working, I was just home with a heating pad on my butt. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it's physically exhausting and more than anything, it's mentally exhausting. Cause you're, it's on your mind 24 hours a day. You know what I mean? Every movement 24 you make hours, 24 hours a day, every movement you make, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it's just debilitating. So you can't really do anything. Um, for me, I couldn't really get better while I was injured just because I could barely walk. Like every step hurt every head movement hurt mm-hmm. um pretty much all i remember from that time is just taking pain medication and laying on my bed with a heating pad on my butt because it was so bad yeah but uh yeah it was pretty depressing and to get through that sort of adversity and i just remember after the surgery when the pain was gone i was like the happiest person on earth because yeah. i didn't feel anything and i was like uh, i forgot what it was like to not have pain in my down my leg yeah Yeah, i'm sure it was the same way for you exact same way yeah like there was times where i couldn't even get out of bed and you're you're like i don't know 20 21 22 and you feel like you're 80 but like it's something you can't explain because you can still do like day-to-day things like 
-hmm. some days I could get out of bed and I could cook and I could go and I could work out and I was fine. And then other days it was, yeah, not even close. And it's funny. I did the same thing deadlifting, but I did it a couple times once in high school where I I came up and I was just felt it. Then you're a kid. So you're stupid. So you just keep going. And then same thing through college. And then eventually it was just too much, which is why I'm so anal with kids now that I work with. And you know, when we do Mm -hmm. movements, it's detailed, precise, and usually they're pissed off at me because it takes so long. But for me, like it's gotta, it's gotta be there. It has to. I was just going to say for any kids listening to this, if you're getting into weightlifting, don't just go into the gym and start throwing around weights because it does not end well. You need to, I mean, you go to practice every day and what's the first thing you do? You stretch, you warm up, you get your body ready to go. You, when you go to the gym, you need to activate every single muscle that you're working. So for me now, when I do legs, mm-hmm. foam roll, stretch, then it's activation time. So getting your glutes fired up, getting your, making sure your quads are ready to go, your hamstrings are ready to go, doing a couple sets of no weight and just like feeling the muscles work and then you start building your way up. But I, before I used to just go into the gym and start lifting and I didn't know any better. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, you got to do some research on your own if that's the route you want to go. For sure. Yeah. And how much time could it have saved you, both of us really, if we learned how to lift properly? It's great. That's like years of, of development time looking back. That yeah. You just cringe at yeah, just, yeah. just cause you couldn't lift weights properly, which is, mm-hmm. it's a tough well, one. It was, it was partially just, being young and immature and yeah. I wanted to get as big as possible. So I'm lifting heavy weight and yeah. I can do one more when in reality, no, you can, and it's not going to help you. It's just hurting you. So it's yeah. kind of that risk and reward factor. Like you, you, you want to lift heavy and you want to make sure you're getting stronger, but you also need to be ready to do it again the next day mm-hmm. and keeping your body in that zone where you're still going up gradually, not spiking and then getting hurt and going way back down. For sure, yeah. Because it's not it's not about becoming a professional weightlifter. It's baseball. So yeah, that's exactly. Got to be our number one, our number yeah. one factor. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, so okay, let's let's shift again. We'll shift sort of how you ended up going from position player to I want to pitch. Mm-hmm. And would you would you hit? I remember we we had this conversation. What was it ninety three, ninety four? I topped 95. You, that hit was only not, one you actually hit 95. Yeah, exactly. I hit, yeah. I hit 95 on the gun. Um, and that was in the game too. But I kind of sit around one to three if I'm feeling good, maybe two, two to three, a couple fours. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I used to pitch in uh, um, Little League. And then when I got to the Twins, I was always just a bigger, stronger kid. So I always was a hitter and an infielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably had a couple innings in grade 11, not in grade 12. And then um, actually when I got released from the Mariner, I always had a good arm. So that's one kid. One, that's one thing I always stress to kids nowadays is you're going to be told eventually that you can't hit anymore. And if you have a good arm, you can always transition to a pitcher. Yeah. But if you don't have a good arm, that's it for you. And it's, I'm sorry to tell you that, but that's just the way it is. And Mm-hmm. so now we're like I try to get these kids arms as strong as possible we're doing long toss pull downs in the off season yeah um, because there's always that option so I pitched a few innings in Quebec my first year didn't have much success I think I threw like 89 to 91 but I was kind of all over the place because I hadn't stepped on a mound in five years mm-hmm. um, but the potential was there and I always struggled at the plate just mentally I, and then I was injured a lot so at a certain point and then I came back in 2017 after back surgery didn't pitch um in 2018 I was kind of struggling at the plate a little bit and then my coach put me in when we were down 10 or up 10 or whatever Mm -hmm. and I had some success the first couple outings and then all of a sudden I was striking one guy out then striking two guys out and then striking out the side and the guys in the bullpen were like just put the bat down and start pitching (laughs) because yeah it's like you might as well give it your give it your all right now right you Mm -hmm. might as well start as early as you can so um and it's been good for me mentally just to kind of revamp my career and have something else to focus on because for sure you know it's just mentally draining when you you work so hard in the off season and you put in so much time and then you go out and you still fail Mm -hmm. and that was always the toughest thing for me was just the failure and I always felt like every strikeout was the lot, like the worst at bat of my life and the worst yeah. day of my life. And so pitching is just 
been good for me mentally, I think, to uh, have something to motivate me and have another goal to kind of get to. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think if we sort of touch on mental toughness quickly here mm-hmm. uh, and just sort of look at what you've been through as well, you know, drafted out of high school, uh, 17, playing with a bunch of men, realistically, sort of struggling, getting released, dealing with getting released as a kid, which I'm sure is tough, and then going to Quebec, and then them sort of saying, okay, you know, your back is messed up, maybe we look at you as a pitcher, and then you're going through that injury, and this is all so you can play the game you love, and here you are, okay, if I can't do it this way, if I can't make it to the league as a hitter, well... I might as well try pitching because yeah. you know, I'm going to leave everything I got on the table, which is Absolutely. a special mentality to have. And you don't mm-hmm. see that with a lot of people. And I think that's important to touch on. Uh, and I think that's, that's the love you have to build, build for this game if you're going to make it because, you know, 100 games in a season sometimes in the minor leagues or even 162 if you're in the big leagues is mentally draining. And, yeah, that's – yeah. So – I don't yeah. know if there's anything you did to get there or if, you know, you just built that love for the game. It's tough to look back at it now and kind of remember what I was feeling at that time. But I just remember, honestly, getting released from, for me was not what you'd expect. It was kind of a weight being lifted off my shoulders just because I used to put so much pressure on myself to be, I'm just a super competitive person. I think you have to be if you want to play at that level. But I always wanted to be the best player and. I wasn't and it was very tough on me mentally and I put so much pressure on myself and I was just miserable and when I got released it was kind of a weight being lifted off my shoulders and then my agent called me and asked if I wanted to play in Quebec and I wasn't really sure if I wanted to keep playing or not Mm -hmm. Um, but he said it was it's great opportunity it's going to be a lot of fun Um, there's always great guys that go there so I kind of yeah, I decided I wanted to do that. And I wasn't really that focused still just because at a certain point when you, when everything's that negative and you put so much pressure on yourself, it becomes more of a, a job and as opposed to like a love of the game. So for me, it was just a job at that point and I didn't love it. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to do it because I didn't want to end my career that way. Um, But now I kind of found that passion again, where I do love it and I do love what I'm doing. And I like working with kids and seeing them get better and seeing them develop but um as far as the mental stuff goes I mean I just wasn't ready for pro ball and I think I just needed to go to college and have a coach yell at me and (laughs) run me and kind of break me down mentally so I could start at this point now if that makes Mm -hmm. sense Mm -hmm. it's kind of tough to explain but um yeah what was the other part of the question no, that was it. I, yeah, it no, it. I just wanted to touch on that because it's. I think dry. just taking it one one day at a time, honestly. For sure. You can't get too high and you can't get too low. If you go four for four one day, congrats! You got a game to play tomorrow, so don't <laughs> yeah. get too high because the next day you might go over four with four strikeouts. So it's yeah. just kind of keeping that even keel throughout the year. For sure, yeah, and I always like to say to the kid that goes over four, who's like sixteen and thinks it's the end of the world you got two more years of high school and then if you play college four years and if you keep going however many years does your four does your four at bats matter dude or can you just get over it <laughs> i was the same it's way easy. I, I know it's so years. easy for us to, say, easy now. to say now <laughs> yeah but. but uh one i forget where it's from but someone said it's not your first strikeout and it's not your last so yeah just keep going for sure definitely I think, man, I think that's good. We got, that was a long, we got some time on there to talk and did an awesome job. Uh, Where can we find you? I know you do hitting lessons. I'm not sure if you're looking at doing that online at all, but I know there's a lot of people listening to this. Hey, I'm sure there's people listening to this that would like a Lachlan Fontaine video breakdown. Absolutely. Just just shooting ideas out there, but yeah. Yeah, That would be, um, you can find me on Instagram. I think you were going to, or it's at F15. Yeah. L-A-C-H-L-A-N-F-15. You can send me an email. Uh, Should I put it in my email or are you going to have it on there? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll put it in there as well. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Shoot me an email. You can go to Inside Performance and give them a call. Um, 
but yeah, I do a lot of lessons with hitting and ton of video work, some pitching stuff. And then I've been doing like the North Shore twins and the Academy and all that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm definitely looking to, again, I'm sort of playing professional baseball now to just gain more knowledge and so I can pass it on. Are you an athlete trying to take your sports career to the next level? Are you trying to secure your spot on an all-star team, college roster, professional roster, or Olympic roster? Are you an athlete who is highly motivated and works hard in the gym and on the field but aren't seeing the results you deserve? That's where I come in. I'm a sports performance specialist and I help athletes separate themselves from their competition through precise, detailed, and meticulous strength training programs. I help you develop the speed, power, strength, and athleticism it takes to stand out and separate yourself from your competition. If this is something you're interested in, head over to my website, instinctperformance.ca, and fill out the online coaching application form, and we will schedule a free consultation to see if you're a good fit. What this looks like. If you get accepted, you'll receive a detailed movement assessment where we test your deficiencies and determine what your strengths and weaknesses are. Number two, you'll have access to an app that I use that outlines the exact exercises, sets, reps, and rest intervals. This app gives you full video breakdown of each movement so you know exactly how to do it. If this is something you're interested in, head over to our website, instinctperformance.ca. Hit us up on social media. Instagram is ip.performance and Facebook is instinctperformance. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Isaiah out.